This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It's Thursday, September 4th. First, we're a little bit more than 48 hours away from number five, Notre Dame at number two, Ohio State. The Irish are still 17 and a half point underdogs. We've kicked this around for eight months now. Uh, gentlemen, your thoughts as we're within a couple of days of uh, these two teams filing doing battle in Ohio Stadium. Yeah, eight months is a good point because it sure seems like people can talk themselves into a lot of things over this eight-month period. People come back and forth on what to expect from Ohio State's passing game to what their what Ohio State's passing game might be missing to what Notre Dame can do and can't do. And we uh, we need to see the game more than before, more than ever before. Other than this is easily the most hyped, anticipated opener because I don't remember Michigan being quite like this, right? It, there's just so many more elements to this with the new head coach too. I think the new head coach is probably part of that. I, we used to say that Brian Kelly, even with his success late, they would, it was one of those things where like, ah, well, if it's not the Michigan game, people aren't showing up as much in Notre Dame stadium, but maybe it's the, maybe it was the big off season change and the distaste for the former coach. It just seems like this has been the biggest buildup and long and thus longest buildup. I can recall. Well, it's, I, I think people know the score in college football now. It's it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Ohio State. Like, those are the teams at the top of the food chain. And Notre Dame probably gets more shots to test themselves against those programs than you would think um, based on some of the playoff appearances and the ACC championship games. So, but at most, you're getting, you know, once a year, once every other year. You just don't get opportunities like this a whole lot. And that's aside from the whole... Marcus Freeman going back to his alma mater um, and the 2002 national championship team being honored and sort of all the extracurriculars that go with that. And I mean, Freeman is, was pretty curt about it today. Um, you know, writing on him and his relationship with Jim, Jim Trussell this week and talking to his family, like the, how competitive he is, I don't think comes through in a whole lot of press conferences because he's, a little more easygoing started to leak through today. Um, but how competitive he is, is, I mean, he is a ruthless, ruthless competitor. And I think you're, you're, you're going to see that on Saturday night. Um, I think we sort of heard it a little bit on Thursday. So it'd be interesting to sort of see how he has the team wired about seven o'clock on Saturday. Um, Cause I think he's probably going to put a lot of thought into that. I think you make a good point there, P, because like, you know, I, I think we have a question in a second segment about physicality and what preseason's been like, you know, I mean, Mar Maris Leofall got hurt. What was it like 10 days before the opener last year? Yeah. And that's because the practice was so physical. And I, you know, the physicality, I think that that's something that has definitely been ramped up on the practice field. And I, I maybe it's not real apparent to everybody about how competitive Marcus Freeman is, but I, you know, I think that we've come to 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 realize that and discover that as he's about to become, you know, the head coach for his first full time season. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I he was dialed in. You know, I mean, the whole question about emotions about going into Ohio Stadium, Tim, you said you were a little bit surprised at that, that but surprised. but I but I yeah, but see, I, I wasn't because I think that that's. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that he's always going to suffer fools gladly as he gets uh, further into this tenure. Not that it was a foolish question, but, you know, the, the, the expression suffering fools gladly. I, I don't I don't think that he's got a whole lot of time for that. He knows what he needs to get done. And I think that he's pushing forward. And at this point, you know, game face is on right now. And I think that he showed that today. 
Yeah, it's, I guess it's also, I guess, statute of limitations has run out here. I mean, we know there was some fights at his behest last year, his first year as defensive coordinator at Notre Dame on the practice field. And he has said a couple times, what do you say? He said it in the spring for the first time. And then he said it, this is how you, at his last press conference, this is how I need you to prepare. You have to trust me. This is what I need from you to be ready for the opener. And even in the spring, when there were some guys getting hurt, and remember the practice we saw where Lorenzo Styles just got lit up by DJ <laughs> Brown, and we thought he was gone for a long time, and he was okay. Freeman's like, yeah, I mean, we have to be physical. I was like, wow, this this is spring. So he he definitely had a plan, and that's part of it. And I mean, every fan wants to hear that, right? It sounds so much better than thud and things like that. But of course, now they have to ramp it back down. In fairness, Brian Kelly had physical camps too. I mean, Brian Kelly was a head coach last year, but we do know that Marcus Freeman. He, he likes the he likes him to go at it a little bit in practice when he yeah. when he has a chance. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a great that's a great thing. I mean, I think as we move forward, that is a that's a real positive for this pro- program moving forward. Pete, I think I don't know if you said it or if people quoted you saying it and it was inaccurate, but I mean, I think at some point you said, you know, Ohio State was definitely going to win this game uh, a, a while back anyway. Um, yeah, you it feel was. Any- yeah, so. Th- that was like in December. Somebody asked me in my mailbag, <laughs> yeah. like, when when are you 100% certain Marcus Freeman will have the first loss of his Notre Dame career? And I said, September 3rd. Oh, as opposed to the, oh, the Fiesta Bowl. Right. Well, it turned out yeah. he already has one. Yeah. Um, right, right. So, yeah, it's – and I every year you, you – I think we all do this. You, you try to ebb, like, all right, I'm not going to get swayed by what I'm seeing in August. And then you see more and you start thinking it through and, like, okay, I can – I, I can get to a path to victory for Notre Dame. It's just really difficult. Um, so no chance is not where I am, but it's tough. I mean, I, I've said this uh, in some other places. Like, I feel like if you put this in basketball terms, Notre Dame is a probably a really good mid-range jumper team, and Ohio State is the Golden State Warriors shooting threes. It's not like the mid-range jumper team can't win the game. It's just the efficiency required to do it is incredible. Uh, whereas Ohio State has so many other outlets where they don't have to be perfect. They just had to get CJ Stroud to throw the ball up and see what happens because it's probably going to be in Ohio State's favor. Yeah, I like the analogy, but I thought you were going to go with the, the one we use for basketball where it's just it's just so easy for those top teams to get buckets. Like they're three steps they're down the court and dunking and that's what Ohio State does have on Notre Dame right now it's Notre Dame is going to have to finish off drives Ohio and they could if they stop Ohio State from finishing off some drives I think Ohio State answers with more than Notre Dame in terms of three plays 75 yards touchdown okay let's go right we're right back in it you know I just I mean Notre Dame can do it too Chris Tyree turns the corner nobody on Ohio State's catching Chris Tyree let's be fair Braden Lindsay too but you know what Braden Lindsay hasn't turned the corner since 2019 for a touchdown. Right. Okay. Right. Chris Terry did not kick off return. I mean, I'm not going to minimize that kick or return. It was seismic, and, <laughs> yeah. but look, it, it's, there's more of it at Ohio state, but there is, of course, there's a path and there's anytime you can't see realistically one team going in and just absolutely putting it on the other one, but the other team could put it on that team. Like only one team you think of this scenario could wait, who's going to win 42 to 17. It's really hard to say Notre Dame would win 42 to 17, right? Well, I don't know. I saw oh, yeah. a prediction on our message board that said Notre Dame by 21. I don't think <laughs> Ohio State's winning 42-17 either. I'm just saying that no, I, things I could go either. sideways more in, in that manner. 
Yeah, I think that we all, you know, in years past when Notre Dame has been a substantial underdog, you know, you favor you, you favor the 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 favored team, and I know that many times we've predicted those those uh, big point spreads to end up in the favor of the the, the favorite. So I, you know, I, but as this game gets closer, I feel differently about it. And if I can use a stat, which is a stat obviously from last year, and this is it's 2022, but I still think it's pertinent because these teams haven't changed they can't change that much until they get in actual game competition. And that, and the stat is this Nordame had the fourth best red zone touchdown percentage defense in the country last year. Do you know what Ohio state was? They were 120. They were 120. Did I say it on a podcast? I uh, know you do it. You, you let us know. Yeah. This is, this is they crazy. were a hundred. They were 124th. They allowed a touchdown three out of every four times the opponent got to the red zone. Now, Notre Dame's got to get to the red zone and they got to do it consistently. And then they have to follow through. And where I'm optimistic about that is, and I think we all agreed upon this, was that Notre Dame should be an improved red zone offense this year because Tyler Buckner's on the field. Now they were, again, we go by touchdown percentage. Um, And that was a, that was a Charlie Weiss thing. Don't give me the scoring percentage. Tell me the touchdown percentage. And Notre Dame was not awful last year. Um, offensively at, at, at 37th, but that is a, that's a, that's a huge problem for Ohio state, which I, you know, I, I got have a great respect for Jim Knowles and what he's done. And people say, well, it, it took him a long time to turn things around at Duke and, and Oklahoma state. Well, turning around a Duke defense is going to take a little bit longer than it will in Ohio state defense. And when he took over to Oklahoma state, they were a bad defensive team then too. So He's a, he's a great defensive coordinator, but he's got to solve a problem that they that was really acute last year in the red zone. Let me ask you, I was curious, because you mentioned sort of a, a feeling about Notre Dame. How I was interested, like your guys' optimism or just like vibe about like Notre Dame can win the game. Like, is it more or less than the Clemson ACC championship game? Uh, it is more for me than that. I was certain they were going to lose that game, but not in the way I was certain they're going to lose to Alabama. Like the Alabama, you could never have given me a scenario. No, it was impossible. There was not was, a path to victory in that game. Yeah. I thought there was against Clemson. Um, and then I watched Trevor Lawrence play again, but he, uh, seriously though, like I know how good he is, but then I just realized, gosh, he makes such a difference in the running game. That kind of changed me. As soon as that game started, I was looking at him run like, oh my gosh, they are going to really have a problem. What here. about Georgia 2019? I, I am. We were all pretty pessimistic. Yeah. I'm more confident in this one than that because I did not think Notre Dame's defense could hold up against the run in that game as well as they did. Yeah. It took them nine weeks to not look, to look like we thought they might out at Michigan. They couldn't hold up against the run. I'm way more optimistic than I was for, for that game. And we, we caught a lot of crap for being so pessimistic about that game and Notre Dame did a great job. I mean, they were in a position to win, even though they didn't run the football. Notre Dame was a double digit underdog in the ACC championship game. I picked, Clemson to win by double digits, not, not by much over the spread, but, but I did, but I, you know, I, I, I don't disregard 17 and a half point spreads um, like the average fan does out there because this, these are the people that are the people that are creating the line are the ones with the big money. And that's why the reason they have the big money is because they're good at this. All right. Well, I, I wrote a story on this yesterday and I asked Brad powers, professional gambler does a great job. 34 wins 396 losses 
since 1990 or FBS teams that were underdogs of 17 or 17 and a half points. Exactly. Okay. So there you go. What were those numbers again? 34 wins, 396 losses. Okay. Not cover. I'm not, not, we're not talking about cover because no, 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 no cover right now. Yeah. Yeah. 34 wins and 396 losses. Guess what? And one of the wins was Charlie Weiss in 2007. Yeah. That one, that, that, that one doesn't, doesn't count. count. That, that one doesn't <laughs> it's count. It's one of my favorite Notre Dame games of all time. You know, a couple other things, and you know, I'm probably going to walk all over myself here in the second segment with, with the questions. But, and Pete, I, I don't know if you said it. Uh, I, I've heard other people say it, and I do th- think that there's some truth to this in that Ohio State doesn't have a Bosa on no. the field. They don't have a Chase Young on the field. They're very optimistic about Jack Sawyer as their Leo. Uh, but none of their none of their defensive line, you know, their leading sack guy coming back is Zach Harrison with four. So they don't have that type of player, number one, defensively. The other thing is, and I know Paris Johnson was a highly rated recruit, but he's playing left tackle for the first time. He's got to face Isaiah Foskey and Justin Adamalola. And I, you know, I mean, that's not a given for for Ohio State at the left tackle position. So just as you, you know, as you gather information for uh, our lengthy preview. You keep finding more and more things, and I'm I'm much more optimistic. Contrary to other games when Notre Dame has been this significant of an underdog, and I'm not saying I'm predicting a win. I'm saying I'm predicting a, a battle, a, a, a game yeah. that is going to be a battle Saturday night. I mean, even the Alabama game, I know it was over right away, um, but Notre Dame acquitted themselves pretty well in the trenches during – a fair part of that game very um, much so yeah and i i, I think it's going to be i mean alabama's up it's the their own right um, like, yeah they no they held their own the second half of those, they didn't win those matchups no, no but they, i think they, they I didn't think, get they didn't i thought it could be field. it could have i think really in the bad. second half they won some of those battles with the offensive line and you can say alabama had a huge lead and they didn't think that they're going right. to win and i that they were going and to lose again to Notre Dame, and and i you'd be right and i and i get that but the gap between Notre Dame and Ohio State is no, it's nothing like that. In is, fact, I is, think the defensive is, line we'll save this for predictions, but when we watched Alabama on tape, because all year long you watched Alabama, you're just mesmerized by the three guys and how up and down the field and nobody could stop them. Then you watched them on tape and you thought, huh, their offensive line is better than Notre Dame's. And Notre Dame's offensive line was the reason it was in the game for crying out yeah. loud. And you're like, this is a massive, massive problem. And that it is not very alarming. Ohio yeah. State's offensive line, I don't think it's better than Notre Dame's. We'll find out. Uh, with And then Ohio State's offensive line, I do not think is better than Notre Dame's defensive front. Whereas I never would have said that in the Alabama game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. This segment of Irish Illustrated was brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, located on Fremont Street in historic downtown Las Vegas. Circa is the home of the world's largest sports book where you can watch up to 19 games at once. Want to be outside? No problem. There's no better place to take in all college football and NFL action than Stadium Swim. Six pools on three levels and a 40-foot-tall high-def screen to watch all the action. Irish fans, when you come to town to the Northern BYU game, Circa is the place for you. For reservations and more information, go to CircaLasVegas.com. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame Leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. 
Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale presented by Do Dublin Tours. Visit dodublin.ie to book your tour today. There was a period of time in the 19th century in Ireland known as the Golden Era. At its peak, Irish whiskey accounted for 60% of the whiskey sold all over the world. Irish whiskey sales sadly declined for a number of reasons. The introduction of mass production in other countries, using more advanced technologies that the Irish were reluctant to use, along with the War of Independence and Prohibition in the US. The Irish were reluctant to speed up the process, opting for quality over quantity. As a result, the last distillery in Dublin closed in 1976. If you'd like to know more, do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Burning Up the Boards is brought to you by Game Day Your Way. Notre Dame football fans, make your trip to South Bend easy this fall with the help of Game Day Your Way. Services include tailgates, transportation, tickets, and more, making Game Day your one-stop shop for Notre Dame football weekend. Learn more at gamedayyourway.com and use promo code IRISHPOD22 to save 10% on your tailgate package. Segment two, Burning Up the Boards. First question from... TJ from PA70. Coach Freeman made reference this week to a difficult and physical first two weeks of camp. How did his camp overall differ from the previous few in physicality and intensity? Do you believe the opening week at Ohio State increased the urgency or physicality over what you've normally seen? Pete, why don't you go ahead? I, I already addressed that in a second. I don't, I don't think Ohio State has a whole lot to do with it. Um, I think it's more about Marcus Freeman trying to put a stamp on the program, and he's much more of a I think blue collar throwback kind of coach in terms of like how he values physicality and the run game and stopping the run uh, than Brian Kelly was. I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong. Um, I just think Freeman for how modern Freeman comes across. He's actually quite throwback in terms of how he's approached. So I I think that that's where that comes in play. Yeah. I think the second part of the question's good. I mean, I understood. Do you believe though? Yeah, I understand. I understand why you would need to ramp it up because the first opponent is, is Ohio state. But I agree. I agree with what Pete's saying. I think that that is Marcus Freeman's MO and um, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're going to see and what we can expect moving forward as he tries to add the component that has been missing from taking Notre Dame to the next level. And that's elite skill position, talent, and speed. I was going to, I was going to actually say, I think both, <laughs> I think Marcus Freeman is like this. And it will continue in other years, but I think Ohio State bled into everything for the last eight months. If they were playing Marshall and Ohio State in Week Four, I guess we'll find out next year, right? When they have yeah. the Navy and then Ohio State. I think he four, would. I, I yeah. I mean, he would have done the same thing if it Marshall had been first opponent. Yeah, maybe I'm just along the lines of like pushing guys back. Like Jarrett Patterson would even be considering being put in the lineup right now if it wasn't Ohio. Well, State. that's a good. Point. We would not be rushing that's, him for that. That's fair. No, that's a good point. Yeah, question well, I guess for, that's why I think it bleeds a little bit. You know, there's just yeah. like this is a huge thing. Yeah. Question from UND Lax 2010. Assuming the turnover margin is between minus one and plus one, do you see any path to ND winning? Yeah, well, plus one would help. Uh <laughs> over minus one, it could be negligible in that way. But I think you touched on it. It's it's red zone situations. Pete might have brought it up. I don't know if we were just chatting, Peter. It was on a pod where you're like. You know, 0 for 2 on fourth down becomes 0 for 3 on fourth down for Ohio State. And yeah. third and seven is owned by Notre Dame, not Ohio State. When Ohio State has 
you know, Ohio State on third and seven at midfield, they convert that a lot, right? You you got you got to stop them from converting that this time. Those those are those are pretty important. That Notre Dame wins third downs, it can win, and wins fourth down all the time, and is the better red zone team. That's the path. For- yeah, I was to say like by far the most interesting thing about the Oregon game from last year is that Ohio State was over three on fourth down. That because that's a turnover, even right. though in the box score it's not. Right. Um, that's so if could Notre Dame win with an even turnover margin? Yeah, but that were there would have to be two fourth down stops probably in there as well. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, Tyler Buckner throwing incompletions is okay, you know, I mean, that's oh, yeah, when we talk about accuracy, incompletions are okay now, you know, if they really struggle completing passes, then it's not good enough, but. The incompletions are okay. It's the turnovers. It's the critical turnovers in your own territory that you ju- you just have to avoid. And um, you know, I mean, that's t- for me as as everyone knows, that's the concerning part for me, especially if Notre Dame struggles a little bit running the football. Although I do expect Notre Dame to try to pound as much as they possibly can. Um, but you know, you've got to protect the football, or you know, turnovers on dropbacks, fumbles, strip sacks. That kind of stuff. That's, I mean, I'm not, not breaking any ground with these comments, but um, in in this setting, those are the things that you absolutely have to avoid. And if you throw incomplete on third and seven to live for another day, um, you know, as long as you're in the game at that point, then you put your strongest part of your team on the field and that's your defense going against a potentially great offensive course. Yeah, it's funny because it's almost like Tyler Buckner's only turnover he can have is when it's second and 15 from his own 45 and he takes a shot downfield and might get picked off or something along those lines. It's you can't, yeah. you can't have red zone turnovers going in. You can't have red zone turnovers the other way. And it's, it's, it's a tall task when you're a 17 point underdog. There's, there's one acceptable turnover next from Bill Irish list. These personnel groupings from most to least frequently used against Ohio state 11 personnel, 12 or 21. Uh, well, order, right? I mean, isn't that the order? order? That's the like, order. Yeah. I mean, I, I think 12 will be closer to 11 than it normally would. Right. But it's 11 will still be the leader. Yeah. I think 12 will challenge 11. Uh, 21. Eh, you know, it's an interesting question because they're certainly going to intersperse that in there too. I, I, you know, I like when we get not, not referring to this question, but you know, questions like, I think we did in the, in Monday's podcast, it's two extremes. Well, Somewhere in between is going to lie reality. And this is a good question because I do think 12 is key. I know Pete, that's been a talking point for you all week. And I, and I totally agree with that. I think that that's huge. There was a comment made by um, Jim Knowles that, and I thought this was really interesting because now that he's a part of the big 10, you know, five DBs, they'd like to run the four, two, five, five DBs. He can't use that as much as he did in the big 12, he's got to put three linebackers out there on occasion. And so I think that's kind of a dilemma for him, especially as they face 12 personnel. I think they, they might have to get away, especially if Notre Dame's having some success offensively, they might have to get away from his preferred alignment with five DBs. And he does some really great things with those guys. And he brought over McAllister from Oklahoma state who, you know, obviously he knows everything they need to do. Can he transfer all that knowledge to his teammates on the fly? That's a little bit difficult to do. But he does some interesting things with his safeties, and he brings pressures 
from that back five that make it very difficult. But I would say, I mean, I guess I, I agree with the other Pete 11 most of the time, because that's conventional, but 12 approaching it and some 21 to keep, you know, Tommy Reese is very creative with, with personnel and, and uh, alignments. Tim, did you hear what Al Golden said uh, when Pete and I were interviewing him? We talked, Pete was asking about what the 12 package does and challenges people. And obviously Michael Mayer is the biggest part of it. And Al Golden said, well, you just said it. I don't need to say it again. You put a linebacker on Mayer, it's a plus for him. You put a safety on him, right. he better be very long. You put a nickel on him, you can get bounced out of the bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was a great line. That's that a great line. You're right. He was the better interview that yeah. day. <laughs> But I, but you know, Tommy was talking to Tommy Reese about four two five and what they can do. And you know, I've I've asked that question now a couple of times, and I asked Marcus Freeman today, and they're going to be really obviously very generic in how they 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 answer that. But um, right, right, yeah, those are those are some of the things to keep in mind. Question from David Lopez five after spring and fall camp, which of the freshmen do you think is most likely to be a first round pick? Whoa, that's projecting. Yeah, Whoa. that is. I'm not changing. Well, that's a, it's a it's a good question. It's I'm, interesting. I'm ignoring, I, I ignore everything about the freshmen while they're freshmen. So uh, Sneed and Schroff are still my choices, even though they are not involved in the 2022 season whatsoever, because that's four years away. Man. Uh, You're, but that's a wretch. What? Sneed. Oh, geez. Sneed. Yeah. He, yeah. You know, he just got I, here. I know. I have here. a hard time keeping track, though. The guys sometimes that, that enter early. You said Sneed. Yeah, I'm no, like, no, he's a redshirt freshman. I thought he'd be involved. He's not. It does. Yeah. Not that's a good. That's a good choice. I go Shrouth and Jadarian Price. Boy, I like. I mean, I love Shrouth's game. I'm not sure that I'm going to sit here and pick him over some of these other guys. I mean, to, to you know, Tobias Merriweather as at his size could certainly be a guy that emerges like that uh shroth wouldn't have been one of the first guys i said probably especially because he's probably an interior lineman who are picked even less than tackles uh, i was I'd just say, thinking there might be a few tobias merriweather's coming out in a few years of this well I, sport we watch these well days. no that's true but why can't he be one of the i mean yeah. he's he's highly rated he's impressive his his agility and his ability to make you know twisting catches and stuff i mean we are we're projecting a long way off from now jade jade mickey's pretty small to be you know, a guy like that. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I would stick with Merriweather for now. Uh, to Alamaca, again, not, not necessarily a Mike linebacker going in the first round, but that's what I was thinking. Everybody's been very impressed with what, what he's it was. Done. I didn't take that as who do you, who, whose stock has gone up and who's gone down. Cause I, I listed guys whose stock did not go up in camp, but uh, you know, Jeremiah, Wusu Cormo didn't play as a freshman. I was still pretty high on that guy or a sophomore or a sophomore. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Next from GWE5. Any update on Jarrett Patterson? Pretty important. Uh, yeah, he practiced yesterday. Um, I'm not sure that anybody's in a position to declare him a starter for for the Ohio State game. I just think it's. I mean, I, I'm gonna look. Things change, and he is he is a miraculous recoverer from from injuries. He he, he heals from things in an incredible way. But the first thing that we heard about Jarrett Patterson when this injury occurred was that he wasn't only going to miss the Ohio state game. He was going to miss the month of September. Right. So Correct. I am not optimistic. I am not optimistic. I I'm, I think he could, I think he could play. I think he could start. I don't have a real good feeling about him being effective against Ohio state. 
it feels like he's far enough along where he will give it a go in warmups and then they'll have to decide Is that kind of how it yeah. feels to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jarrett Patterson being Jarrett Patterson, if in the situation that you just described that he's on the field and with the mindset, he's preparing to, to start, then he probably will because he's a very strong willed kid, but I just, um, I just, you know, we didn't see it. We didn't hear it or see it when it first happened. And I'm not in much more optimistic than we were at that time. Question from Tim. No, go right ahead. You I sure? think that, uh, yeah, I just think that it's, it's hard if he was doing scout team reps on Wednesday, coach Freeman said today and some varsity, I think it's an indication that it's, it's, it, it would have to be a heck of a 72 hour period. Yeah. Jarrett Patterson. Yeah, no matter how well he heals right. or how quickly he heals. Question from uh, Irish from A2. Would you feel more or less confident in a positive outcome of the game on Saturday if Brian Kelly was still the coach? That's an interesting question. It is. Mm. I feel like I'm, I know less about the season because he's not the coach, but this game is just tough to figure. Like, I don't. I don't think I'd feel more positive if Brian Kelly was the coach of this particular game, just because he has some issues in mismatch games of not getting out to good starts. As I pointed out, what 39 yeah. losses for Kelly, 22 of them. He was down by two scores pretty quickly. Wow. So and the, and I was, week. I would not be more confident. I would be less confident. I just, I knew what I was getting in a season with Brian Kelly. They're going to beat Boston college and Syracuse and North Carolina and BYU. And you know what I'm saying? That that's yeah. kind of how I feel about those. Here's what I, I, if Brian Kelly was a head coach, I would, say take Notre Dame in the points you can put any sum of money on it it doesn't matter Notre yeah. Dame will cover because I think I think they would be a lock to cover in this game but regardless you're saying would not which would coach. not be a money line bet yeah right yeah I guess, <laughs> that's a good that's a good way of looking at it well I you know I don't know how Marcus Freeman will do in his first game at Ohio State as a 17 half point underdog but I know what Brian Kelly did in big games as massive underdogs you know I so, I mean, I guess I would say Marcus Freeman. It's a lot of it is it's the great unknown. Yeah. But it's more fun to have the great unknown here. Yeah. Oh, I would yeah. take the great unknown to the known. And the previous known was not, not usually great in these situations as it is from, you know, I mean, as it is for most coaches is this substantial of a, an underdog. See, Next from Seaside Sox fan. Why does the national media talk as if there will be zero drop off to the Ohio state receivers replacing a first round draft choice is hard, let alone two. Five-star recruits are not only one guy returns with any production. There's got to be a drop-off. The I, I, To answer the question, I think the reason is that their quarterback is just a dead eye throwing the football. Now, again, it's first game of the season, and he probably won't be as good in first game of the season as he will second and third and, and moving forward. But I think part of that reason is because C.J. Stroud is so incredibly accurate and, you know, he completed 70, 72% of his passes. He was one of only two quarterbacks in the country that averaged double digits per pass attempt. The other one was at Coastal Carolina. So, I mean, I think a lot of it is, uh, a lot of it is an assumption, is assumption that you just churn them out. You know, they just keep churning them out. And I think we all believe that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be really, really good. Um, but I would say point taken. It's it's not a gimme, not a gimme that he has 
chemistry with all those guys. It is a gimme that he has chemistry with Smith and Jigba who could catch 12 or 13 passes and put quite a dent in a defense in those 12 or 13 receptions. We all feel like Lorenzo Styles sort of had a, a breakout game in the Fiesta Bowl. Exactly what I was going to say. Yep. If Lorenzo Styles put up 15 catches for 346 yards and three touchdowns in the Fiesta Bowl, I think we would be like, this is a future first round pick. Like, this guy's incredible. Like, automatic. He's going to torch Ohio State. I mean, that was Jackson Smith and Jigba's sat line in the Rose Bowl. And I mean, Marvin Harrison added. Harrison had three touchdowns. Yeah. Three touchdowns as well. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, and, yeah, is, there, is there going to be a drop off from two first round picks? Yeah. Yep. But it, they might just have two more first round picks. Both yeah. things are true. Of, there will be a drop off and yeah. they reloaded. Instead <laughs> of having an unknown at quarterback, they have a Heisman Trophy favorite at quarterback. That's a big difference from last year. And, you know, Fleming, I haven't seen a whole lot of Fleming on film, but we know that he's really, really highly touted. Igbuka is a great return man who's just getting started as a receiver. I, you know, I, I just say the question point taken, uh, but but recognize that these guys have recruited at a level where they create these expectations. Yes, right out of the gate. Let's be fair to the question and the reality of it. If Wilson and Olave were coming back too, I would not see a path oh, to victory geez. for Notre Dame. So there's a drop off. I I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a gr- great point. And good question from a Seaside Sox fan. Statman72, uh, if Nordame loses to Ohio State, which comment summarizing the game would you prefer to be true? The offense did its job, but the defense couldn't stop them, or the defense did its job, but the offense didn't carry its weight? Ooh, um, what would I prefer to be true? So for 11 the games f- going forward. The, f- the first one, because I enjoy watching offense. <laughs> that's i would uh i would just be so surprised that the defense is the reason they lose the game at this point i guess that's not true because the secondary could get lit up like a christmas tree i would if if ohio state runs all over notre dame and they don't generate a pass rush and they don't look anything special up front that's the worst sign well yeah yeah. Um, shame on notre dame if ohio state runs the football all right right i mean i guess the best sign is the offense did its job because the defense you'd think is going to come along, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, the definitely. defense did not do its job against Florida State. There we go. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. And they still finished in the top 15 and yeah. scoring defense yep. again. Yeah. That, you know, you, you, the concern is on offense. And so if they did their job, that's a good thing. I want to, another, not necessarily stat, but observation that, you know, the two de- best defenses that Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State went against last year were, Penn State and Michigan, both top 10 in scoring defense. So Ohio State scored 33 against Penn State, and they scored 27 against Michigan. And I put Notre Dame's defense in the same category as Penn State's last year and Michigan's last year. So although as Michigan we look was pretty at, good, that end of the year thing, Michigan had it rolling and Notre Dame's going first game out. The, the first game no, thing. true. I mean, yeah, yeah, they were a juggernaut at that point. They were not going to lose that game to Ohio no, State on any no. circumstances. But my point being that I think Notre Dame's defense is a quality defense. And therefore I'm looking at Ohio state in the 31 to 34 point range. If it gets above that, now it gets, now we need uh Statman 72's uh, phrase there. The offense did its job, but the defense couldn't stop them. They, you know, now you, now you need that to happen. But uh, I, 
you know, they, they led the nation in scoring because they were phenomenal, but let's face it, they beat up some really bad defenses in the process too. But that, you know, the averages, scoring averages, both offensively and defensively, that's usually the case. Sure. You know, the 66 and Notre Dame scored against yeah, that whole, 66 that, against New Mexico. I mean, that throws everything that, th- that throws this, the cumulative stats out of whack. Next from CMU Penn's fan. Always good to get a first time uh, caller here. <laughs> Is it a fair comparison? I swear I don't I, like I don't have a I don't have a buy I don't know CMU Penn's fan. I I, I just enjoyed, he, I enjoyed he all, when they trolled put us this on way, Twitter. He always submits questions. So when one foot down trolled us on Twitter a few years ago and pretended if I if I write in as Statman or CMU Penn's fan, I will. I will uh, all right, that's it. One. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna. He will not be on either one of the uh, sorry man. That's the, the podcast out. next week. CMU Pence fan does ask, is it a fair comparison for Chris Tyree's season this year, the final season of Dexter Williams' Notre Dame career? So Tyree is a junior without the problems. Dexter Williams is a senior who we all knew could yeah. play football. I'm becoming very, very bullish on Chris Tyree this season, but I wouldn't compare it. I wouldn't compare it to, to Dexter Williams. I wouldn't compare it to Dexter Williams because I think he's a different kind of back. And now they'll use him in a variety of ways. And, you know, they're going to get the foot. I think they're going to get the football in his hands a whole lot more, but it won't necessarily be the, the, the straight handoff variety. Yeah. I think that, that would be a ideal outcome. Um, but I think Chris Tyree is, he's, he's different. And that would feels like a stretch, even though I think he's going to have a good year. Yeah. I like Chris Tyree a lot and he can, he could do that 97 yard run to turn a game around that Dexter Williams did. But boy, we were high on Dexter Williams going to that year. Like that was, yeah. He missed four games and had 998 yards. Well, never, We've never yeah. been at a practice where Chris Tyree shook somebody so bad they fell down. No, like, and Dexter that Williams happened with Dexter Williams. So good in those practices his senior year. And Dexter well, Williams, he was more of a true, pure running back yeah. than Tyree is. Tyree is a combo. Even though we knew he was um, suspended. They were never going to say it, but they were using him in the that open practice, the big the big August practice. That we thought to ourselves, "What do we finally have? Is this intel completely wrong?" But yeah, nope. They were just using him. He's yeah. But he tore it now, up in that practice. I, I, I again, all very bullish on the the progress that Chris Tyree has made physically. Yes. You know, love the love love the kids' emotionless kind of approach to things and cerebral approach to things. Um, I'm looking for him to have a really strong finish in the second half of his. Uh, collegiate career with Notre Dame. NDFB. If Notre Dame gets the win Saturday night, would they be ranked number one in both polls, one poll, or neither poll? That's a great question. It is a great question because I think that I think they'd be number two. I, I just think, yeah. yeah, I just think that would would people really? I saw some other question that if Notre Dame beats uh, Ohio State. What which talking head is the first to say that Ohio State was overrated? Feinbaum, I think Feinbaum is he going to be the one? I think they'd be number two. I, I, I mean, unless they hammered Ohio State, which I think it'd just be number. I two. don't know that that's very realistic, but um, yeah, I think what were they ranked him in 1981 when they uh, went you're to number ask one? Me, you're going to ask me a ranking from 81 <laughs> <laughs> with, with the way my brain works these days. I'll you're gonna find, I'm going to find out real fast. 81. This is bad radio. You guys talk. It they would be right. Ra- I think they'd be ranked number two and I think they would be getting first place votes. That's fair. I think go. that's, a, I think that's a good way of putting it. There would be voters on both coaches and the media that would say would, would reward them for 
going to Ohio State. And well, I think you're you're spot on. Ohio State would be discussed as like, are they overrated? Are they a yeah. fraud? Um, which I, we, is totally fine because that team has said, like, if we don't win a national championship, this team is a disappointment. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Watching Ryan Day's press conference and, and seeing Jim Knowles' press conference. I mean, especially Ryan Day's, the, the talk is winning the national title. Not, you know, not having a great year. I, I, I can see... I mean, not just having a great year winning the national title. I can see them getting to the national title game. Look, ultimately, I don't know that their defense is good enough, and maybe they're in their offensive line probably isn't good enough. Two thoughts. If Notre Dame beat Alabama to open the season and Ohio State was number one and Alabama was number two or three, Notre Dame would become number one because they have yes, yes, yes. earned the benefit yeah. of we know Alabama's not going to stink. Yeah. And number two, Tim, in 1981, Notre Dame opened at number four against unranked LSU, won 27-9, and was ranked number one the next week. And then they were ranked number 13 the following week, and then they were not ranked again. Do you – you got neither of you are old enough to remember this, but, I mean, the, the uproar over Jerry Faust at Notre Dame winning his first game and moving up to number one, how, how much did they jump? Four to one, and then they oh, lost to Michigan twenty-five-seven, okay. uh, yeah. and fell to thirteen. You know where I was uh, during that Michigan game? Playing I know a, you were at the USC game in seventy-seven, but I don't yes, know where you were. Yes, yes, no, I was playing a, <laughs> uh, I was playing a fall baseball game for Notre Dame at Lewis University. Where is Lewis? It's in Illinois. So I did not see that game. I listened to it on the on the bus trip back, and. Uh, it wasn't going well. It wasn't going well. And it didn't go very well <laughs> henceforth. Uh, the rest, of the, way, the, yeah, the rest of the way for, for Jerry Faust. Uh, Judge Arthur Vandalay. Final predictions for the season. Ten and two. Um, I am with you. I would say ten and two first. I would say nine and three second. I'd All agree right. with that too. Let's say Notre Dame beats Ohio State. Do you change your prediction by one or two? Probably or one. Same. Or do you keep it the same? I don't keep nah, it the same. I would pro probably one because I do think that Clemson is going to be really good this year, and that's going to be very difficult to beat them with their D-line. <clears throat> and I just – I just I don't know. I, I don't know how good USC is going to be. And you change I, it I went one, every right? time. Yeah, I, I, yeah. 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 Sure. All right, question from uh, Dan Ernst. Football's back, and Notre Dame fans will start the 2022 season by making the journey to Ohio State for the first time since 1995. Hypothetically speaking, if you and your friends were road tripping to this or any game, what would what would be your must-have road trip snacks and beverages? And besides canned cherry Coke for O'Malley, and then the second part is uh, all-time favorite road trip song for getting hype for a game. He's right that the cherry, cherry Coke must be canned. That is extremely important. Takes on the ice better. <laughs> oh, I didn't, um, I, I, like, didn't uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't oh, realize yeah. oh, it then. Yeah, yeah. When, when Coke came out to my house, uh, because Pete put it on Twitter and everything went crazy uh, five years ago, they brought me canned cherry Coke. I was very proud of them. But uh, I would like some Fiji water. And I am making sandwiches for this trip because I know you don't like peanut butter, Tim. So I'll be making tuna and egg salad. I don't like peanut butter. I love peanut butter. Yeah, what's wrong with peanut butter? I was quoting I George Costanza. And oh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm okay. sorry. I got to be. Jeez. 
I got to be ready at all times. Lay up right there, too, guys. But yeah, yeah I'll be making sandwiches <laughs> for this trip, and I would like some Fiji water from my uh, my driver. Back in yeah. the back, in, oh, I'm sorry, Pete. Go ahead. No, Fiji, Fiji water is a must. Um, I'm a, a bit of a prince when it comes to my water and my hydration, so I need I need Fiji. Uh, and then I'm a big. Uh, I like the pretzel cheddar cheese combos. Like I don't oh, eat wow, combos at any time. Other than on road trips, and then it's some like peanut, a, peanut and amends. Yeah, no, I've, I've been like, I have a very high, high end water taste, but then low end snacks. What kind of sandwich do you want? Oh, uh, I'll be going to Martin's you, later. Okay, if you get some uh, roast beef from a, from a carving station or something, that would be that would be delightful. Right, Thank you. Priester gotcha. sandwich meat, anything? Turkey. Peanut butter, I heard. Okay. Turkey, turkey. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not like you guys. I mean, I, you know, I, they're, I, they're, three, <laughs> they're three meals a day, 365 days a year, Bo- bottled water. Yeah. Bottled water. Any brand is fine with me, but as a, as a youngster, uh, when I'd get together with our friends, uh, my friends for a road trip, I know one of the songs that we would play was let it roll down the highway by Bachman Turner overdrive. Cause it was so appropriate for for the trip. So that would be mine. Uh, I, uh, yeah, no beer on the way. Yeah, no, <laughs> nothing like that. When we get there, uh, let's go. We're going to wrap up. Thanks, Dan Ernst. We're going to wrap up with uh, game predictions. I will go first. Um, Don't take my, if you do it again, I'm going to be really Ooh, I wrote down my good. number. I wrote down my number. All right. I think mine's a little bit off. So I, I think that we're safe, but I think that Notre Dame's defense will play well. Um, and hold not a hold Ohio State down, but I, I think they're gonna be able to sort of keep the top on the game. My bigger concern is Notre Dame's offense getting out of third gear uh, and their inability to create explosive plays, I think. So I'm going Ohio State 31, Notre Dame 23. I think it will be a competitive game. I think Notre Dame will come out of it having gained a little bit of credibility nationally for people that just think they're going to get blown off the field. And I think it gives the offense some urgency that they need to grow from this. And I think the defense, it gives them a real solid platform to, to keep going the rest of the year. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I'm a little higher on the score. I have 34, 27 Ohio state, and I feel it's a little bit of Notre Dame doesn't maintain consistent offense throughout the game, which will put the defense in a couple of binds in Oklahoma State. And uh, that was that Oklahoma State game. It's too. OSU. But, <laughs> but Ohio State can take advantage of it, Notre Dame's defense when they are put in a bind. Um, I do think Notre Dame's offense will look good at times. I just, I don't think it's a finished product yet. And I am not 100% sure you can turn a bad offensive line without Jarrett Patterson into a playoff level offensive line in game one. They could. Maybe they're really good again. They have two first-round draft picks. You're missing, most likely missing Jarrett Patterson. I want to see that unit before I think Notre Dame can go out there and absolutely run the ball. Because they couldn't run the ball on anybody that existed last year. Yeah. With a pulse. Yeah. And that was with, that was even with Jarrett Patterson early on. You know, I think most of what I'm hearing on the outside is they love the over, which is why the line keeps going up. I, I, I like the under a lot, yeah. not, not by a lot per se, right. but I like the under a lot. 
Uh, of course, I'll have a prediction in the preview on Friday, but uh, Pete went under and I just pushed over for yeah, reference. Yeah, I know Pete, Pete went under on it. I'm going to agree with him. My score is probably going to be fairly comparable to that. Um, so obviously I'm saying that Notre Dame will cover. So all three of us are saying that we will catch a lot of heat if it doesn't go in that direction, but that's how I feel. I mean, that's legitimately how I feel contrary to a lot of other times when Notre Dame has been in, in this situation. And I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily because of Marcus Freeman per se, it's just trying to analyze two football teams. Uh, and I, you know, I mean, I agree with what you guys are saying, Tim, I think Notre Dame will have some off- offensive success. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard to sustain that over the course of the game. I like the under. Well, that's it for today. We will uh, we'll be heading down the road to Columbus tomorrow. And uh, the next time you hear from O'Malley and me, it will be from Ohio Stadium, our pregame coverage of Notre Dame versus Ohio State. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. It's time to get this thing going and stop speculating and watch a football game between two top five teams. We'll talk to you then. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. 